Live from Harrison County, West Virginia, we welcome you to the Healthy Harrison podcast, a show designed to help you change your state. I'm your host, Brock Malcolm, and our co-host today is Amy Haberwash-Wilson, the president of the Healthy Harrison Board of Directors. We are streaming this program today on our Healthy Harrison Facebook page, as well as on the statewide distribution network of our media partner, wvnews.com. Every week at this time, we chat with individuals who, in their personal or professional lives, share or further our mission here at Healthy Harrison, which is to foster measurable improvement to the health and well-being of the people of North Central West Virginia. Today, our guest is Dr. David Didden. Welcome, doctor. Thanks for having me. Dr. Didden um, is a family physician and military veteran with 25 years of experience in primary care. After graduating from the U.S. Air Force Academy, he served our country as a mechanical engineer before beginning his medical career. In 2004, he and his family returned to West Virginia, where he has dedicated his professional life to serving rural populations through family, medicine, and public health. He has worked as the local health officer for Jefferson County, where he and his family live, before joining the state health department as physician director in 2020. He now serves as the physician director for the Office of Maternal, Child, and Family Health at the Department of Health and Human Resources Bureau of Public Health. Dr. Didden, again, welcome. We're, we're thrilled to have you really here today. really appreciate the, the opportunity to come and talk with you. So why don't we just start with how'd you end up getting involved in public health and um, how are you involved in uh, some of the public health issues here in Harrison County? Right. So I, as you mentioned, I, I'm a family doc. I, I left uh, the Air Force and went to med school and um, had a career. And towards the end of, uh, of my medical career, I was working in a solo practice in Shepherdstown and showed up at a board meeting um, for the local health department. And lo and behold, the next month they appointed me local health officer. You know, if you're good enough to volunteer, you're good enough to be the health officer. Sometimes you get appointed when you're not there, exactly. but you got close. appointed when you were there. It was close. Yeah. Yeah. I showed up late and I whispered to the, the board chair, sorry, I'm late. We can push it to the next month. And he said, no, we need you. You're the next health officer. <laughs> so, so anyway, I did that for, for six or seven years and it was really a great introduction to public health i could i could run my practice part-time and also work at the local health department and um yeah when the pandemic hit um and all the the practices went kind of to a telehealth platform i just couldn't sustain it it was it was my wife was doing the books and the scheduling and the billing and i was doing all the nursing and you know the individual care and um so we just decided it was a good time to pivot and um, fortunately for me, this opening um, came up with the state health department. I, I did a lot of work in drug user health and um, addressing the opioid and overdose epidemics at the local level in, in Jefferson County and the Eastern Panhandle. And they found a position um, as medical director of overdose prevention and innovation projects. And I got connected to uh, Healthy Harrison and to working with local partners here uh, because that position is also physician director of the Office of Maternal, Child, and Family Health. So we um, are the umbrella office in DHHR that has the Childhood-Led Poisoning Prevention Program. And so I was brought in in January just to help with some of the local um, coordination and communication between DHHR, uh, Bureau for Public Health Leadership, and other, other key stakeholders in the area. 
Um, so I'm kind of I'm kind of like a senior advisor, you know. <laughs> one one person described me as a wise elder. I'm not <laughs> sure how I feel about either of those, but anyway. So um, I've just been for the last few months trying to help with coordination, um, getting a handle on the data, um, the data for Harrison County, the data for Harrison, and across the state. Okay, across the state. Yeah, yeah. Well, lead, in, particularly in the water, has been an issue that has been talked about here in the local community a lot. Maybe you could just give an overview about what's been found and, and sort of what the state of that is right sure, now. Sure, sure. So in May of last year, um, our uh, uh, lead surveillance program picked up uh, an individual case of lead poisoning in Harrison County. I'm pretty sure it was in Clarksburg. Um, that part of the protocol is to do an environmental lead assessment for children's homes who, you know, when they have high levels like that. And so um, the the environmental health specialist went out, did the inspection, looked at the paint, looked at the, you know, the windows, the soil around the house and tested the water. And it turned out there, that there was lead in the water. Um, so started to, to work with getting filters and mitigating that. Um, but then it came that two other children also tested positive in the same region. And went, uh, uh, the environmental health folks went, did the assessment, same results. So when they started to look at broader sources of lead contamination in the environment, they did find that um, there is, there has been lead in the water supply from Clarksburg Water Board. Um, and so we started to do a more broad testing strategy. Um, and the and the water board has been um, very proactive in getting those lines changed out and starting getting the filters to the families, um, uh, passing out bottled water and so forth. So, well, I imagine that one of the one of the problems is particularly in the older sections of Clarksburg, you have sometimes lead pipe inside the house exactly. as opposed to on the outside where the water board has control. So, how have you been able to differentiate? what was the responsibility of the city versus what's been the responsibility of individual homeowners? Sure. That's one of the challenges we're facing is um, getting the homeowners to check their own plumbing and, you know, keep an eye on their water um, because older housing stock, especially if it's older than um, 1950, is at high risk for having lead poisoning in, in kids who might be in that household. Um, so we're working on getting some funding sources to be able to help homeowners. I mean, there's, there's kind of a, a, a natural reluctance to test and look if it's going to be really expensive to fix something, mm -hmm. right? So it, it kind of gets pushed to the back of people's minds um, if they don't have a way to, to mitigate that lead contamination in their environment. Um, so we're working on we're working on getting some grant funding to be able to support homeowners to be able to do that. How and, do they test? How does one test to? Well, you can test the water and then you have to get a certified lead inspector okay. to come in and and do one of these home um, home assessments. And that happens automatically if we identify a child with lead poisoning. But you have to request it um, if you're looking uh, uh, at your own home. And we've got uh, the, the State Office of Environmental Health Services can help identify those folks who can do the inspection and help you. Is this similar to the Flint, Michigan? It's been brought up several times. Yeah, yeah. So that. different in scope, um, different in the, the what we believe to be the inciting circumstances, but same result for the kids, right? I mean, that, that, that to me, no matter what the jurisdiction is, no matter what... Um, uh, uh, the original sources, 
the end result is harm to our children. And so I, 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 I try to keep that in mind. In Flint, they, they changed over their water supply. They, they uh, tried to flush the lines with chlorine, changed the pH, and, and they ended up removing the biofilm that was kind of sequestering the lead from the older pipes. And when they removed that biofilm, it, the, the lead was able to, to get into the water supply. And it was uh, tragic. But um, locally, um, we're, not, we're not seeing that there was a huge change in the water supply. Um, and I, I'm not a, a chemist, so I don't have I don't know the details on exactly what happened, um, but we know that they're they're correcting it by changing out the lines. Um, and most importantly, we want to we want to identify kids who have had lead poisoning and are at risk for developmental delays and so forth. Is it? Sorry, I'm still with the pipes. I guess is it is it typically something where you just you start with just removal of interior pipes, let's say the kitchen, or do you just go full on and remove them all. Yeah, I think, you know, again, first step is to get somebody who knows what they're looking for right. into the home. And but I yeah, logically, you're going to you're going to want to replace all of them, all of the right. older pipes. Um, well, some of the problem with the pipes is even if you don't have lead pipes, a lot of times the soldering was lead. Yeah. And so you really do need an expert who knows what yeah. they're looking at because right. you could right. see non lead pipes, but you could still have lead. Right. Because they didn't just suddenly go from lead to copper and you know so you know a certain date means that your your plumbing is good there was this transition period where we kind of figured out that oh maybe this is not such a good idea and so really getting an expert in there somebody who's certified knows what they're looking for is is key well i, I live in the city of clarksburg and um, the water board's been great in working with us in in terms of you know they gave us the containers we mm -hmm. filled up our water clear instructions on using it from wherever we drank the most and sent it to them and they had it tested and they got us the results. And fortunately we were really unaffected. Right. So um, what you're saying is this, the city's really been proactive and cooperative with all the efforts and is working to try to, to minimize any impact. It's a long-term process, right? I mean, we have to get the funding to support the, the, the line changes. Um, you have to get the construction crews to be to get in there and do it. You got to sometimes tear up streets, and I mean it. It takes a long time to change those lines out. So they're they're on the way, um, making progress. Um, but we really do need to get now uh, the the homeowners, you know, involved and and getting their homes checked, and also um, the doctors and nurse practitioners and PAs who are doing pediatric care. Uh, uh, family doctors and pediatricians to test kids that haven't been that haven't been tested, especially if they're under six. What are symptoms that they watch for? They just test all kids right now. Yeah, and... it's well, it, it's um, uh, mandated now. We have a new um, lead testing rule that every child get checked at twelve months and twenty four months, um, and if they haven't been checked uh, at at one and two years of age, that they get checked before they turn six. Um, so it should it should be across the board now, and we're just getting the messaging together to to update providers on that new requirement. Prior to this um, recent lead rule that that was passed this legislative year, um, it was limited to children with Medicaid. So anyone who's enrolled in a Medicaid um, insurance plan uh, should have gotten uh, uh, when they were 12 months and 24 months lead blood lead testing mm -hmm. at that time. 
Um, but we haven't, you know, it's, it's hate to blame the pandemic for everything, but clearly our preventive health got pushed back um, for other priorities. Um, and we're, we're behind on, on getting t- kids tested. And this isn't just a Clarksburg issue. No. There are another, no. other we, communities facing yeah, the same yeah, thing. Yeah, very similar risk profiles in multiple other counties in, in West Virginia. Um, we, the, every municipal water supply in, in the state is tested for multiple substances, including lead. So we don't have any knowledge of other water systems facing contamination, um, but it's possible. We certainly have, you know, old housing stock, old infrastructure in lots of the state. Um, but we do believe that that this is not isolated mm-hmm. to Clarksburg Harrison. Um, and and we're just now trying to get a handle on how to uh, prioritize certain counties and really push the message mm-hmm. that, look, this is important to your child's development. Um, this, you know, can can affect you know, their IQ, their behavior. That was my next question. Talk about the, you know, the effects of it and what are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we rarely see any like acute or sudden um, symptoms from lead poisoning. Um, you know, there, there are cases of somebody getting into, uh, uh, you know, the the crafts of uh, making Civil War bullets or something like that. And a kid will suddenly ingest it. That's that's rare. The, the vast majority of cases are um, chronic exposure. And, and many of those are completely asymptomatic. You know, you, the, the, unless you do the test, you don't know. But um, for higher levels of, of toxicity, you certainly do see behavior changes. Um, you see developmental delays in younger children. Uh, there is a, a, a quantifiable drop in IQ for every increase in in lead that's in a child's bloodstream we're talking um, paint and pipes so older homes yep know. yep yep it's it's in the dust of these older homes um if if they uh were built before 1978 lead paint was around um window sills seem to be a a, a common source and um you know how window sills tend to you know, crack and the paint mm. chips. Um, it can go inside into the dust. It can go outside into the soil underneath the window. So if you, you know, I, I let my kids play in the dirt all the time. Um, you know, if they're out there playing in the dirt and putting it in their mouths, um, you know, that's a, that's a potential source. Um, and these are irreversible. Um, no, if you're at if a child has a particularly high level of um, lead poisoning, you can do chelation therapy. You can you know you can get that down. Once the changes occur, um, using uh, physical therapy, occupational therapy, um, lots of developmental support can promote. Uh, uh, brain development and, you know, new, new neural networks and things like that. So I would never say irreversible, but I I would say high risk of long-term effects without, you know, appropriate intervention. Those are the messages you should be taking immediate steps to Mm -hmm. be checking on these things for the safety of your family. Right, right. 
Right. Well, we'll just take a quick second to remind everybody that our podcast is brought to you by our sponsors, WVU Medicine, United Hospital Center, West Virginia University, the State Journal, WVNews.com, and our partners at Interaction Media. We are uh, joined today by Dr. David Didden, who is the physician director for the Office of Maternal, Child, and Family Health at the um, State Health Department. And um, talking about uh, these issues, so what is involved in blood um, tests for lead? Oh, great question. Um, So blood blood testing for lead, the, the easiest way to do it is just a little finger stick, like um, someone who's getting their blood sugar tested. Um, so, uh, and easy with a 12 month old or 24 month old is relative. Right? Yes. <laughs> it's challenging to let them, you know, get them to let you uh, uh, take a little drop of blood. But that's the simplest way is really to get a finger stick and you can um we have machines uh let blood lead analyzers that can um if they have one on site do an immediate test and you get the result in three minutes um the old-fashioned way was to use a little blotter paper and put it on that and send it off to a lab um a lot of times uh kids will have their blood drawn and that can be sent to a lab and that can be analyzed that way. Um, is this something you go to your pediatrician for or? Uh, that's my advice department? is really, yes, to talk to your pediatrician or family doctor um, about this and make sure that, you know, maybe your maybe your child did get tested at, at 12 months and 24 months. Let's say they're, you know, four and a half now. I don't remember that. You know, when I'm, I'm parenting a toddler, you know, what happened last week, let alone three years ago. So talking with your family doc about getting that um, that test done, um, if it hasn't been done, is is a great start. The health department does have testing available. So contacting um, Harrison County Health Department for, or, or any local health department, um, they can help point you in the in the right direction for getting testing done. But because it's part of a a comprehensive preventive health approach, I really do recommend folks talk to their their primary care clinician. What about a household without children, you know, adults? How does this affect adults? Yeah. um, So lead um, mimics calcium. So it will um, get into the bones and um, will just slowly leach out of the bones. And once you're through the developmental stages, if it's a low level um, of exposure, um, you're probably not going to see major clinical uh, manifestations of that. It's it's really about the kids and pregnant women. So if you have women um, thinking about having kids def- or pregnant currently, definitely worth getting checked. And, and if you're in an older home, getting that, you know, environmental assessment done. So less of a concern if you've got a 60-year-old couple in an older home and they're just, eh, we're not that worried. It's still. Yeah. I mean, in West Virginia, I mean, we have so many multi-generational households. Mm-hmm. Right. It's Grandkids it's so and... common for, I wouldn't turn anybody away or, or you know, uh, uh, um, say, oh, you're not, you know, you're not at risk. Don't worry about getting, getting checked. Um, but. But you're right. It's a higher priority to get kids under six tested, mm-hmm. pregnant women tested, than it is, you know, somebody who who's, you know, sixty and 
yeah. less biologically useful as I <laughs> refer to myself. <laughs> so if you, if you are in a home and you feel like there's a problem, I know you said that there's efforts underway to develop grant funding for that. Mm -hmm. um, who can people begin contacting? I mean, if, if you know, obviously, um, if you have the ability to have some pipes removed and replaced on your own, people should do that immediately. But if, for people who really finances are going to be a barrier to providing a safe home for their families, what resources are out there or where should people begin looking? Um, I, contacting the, the State Office of Environmental Health is a good start, um, really good resource there, or the local health department. Um, I would love to be able to say, we have this grant, it's ready to go, it's being managed by this agency, call them and they'll help you get your home tested. And if they find lead, they will help, you know, with, with uh, uh, free, you know, with grants or low interest loans to help you do lead abatement in your home. We're not there yet. Um, we, we're getting there. In the meantime, if somebody just wants to have uh, an assessment done, they can contact the OEHS, the Office of Environmental Health Services, okay. and, um, and they can help them get in touch with a certified inspector who can at least tell them what their, you know, what their baseline is. Lead poisoning in toys, is that still an issue? Um, not as often, but you can't, there's so many toys that come in from overseas oh. that it's impossible to test every one. But once, I can't remember when that, that was maybe 10, 15 years ago mm -hmm. that the Chinese toys were identified as a source of lead exposure. I think since then, testing has improved. I think for, for parents, um, who are concerned about lead exposure, um, for their kids really to, to look at, um, you know, the dust that's around, if they have old paint, um, even if it's been painted over slowly over time, that lead can work its way out. So I'd be less concerned about um, the toys than I would about cleaning up, you know, regularly washing things down. There's there's a, the um, Childhood Lead Poisoning Prevention Program for DHHR has a good website with some, you know, basic things that people can do in their home. Just, you know, thinking about kids and that everything goes in their mouth, making sure that those things are, right. are cleaned regularly. And, um, you know, if there is lead in the paint, that they're minimizing the exposure. Now, is this um, the pipes and just the house itself? A lot of older homes in West Virginia, something that's disclosed upon selling the house. Um, do they have to do that? Is it part of the inspection? I don't know what the exact code is. I believe there is a statement that has to go to a new homeowner or renter about the lead status. Um, but I don't know what the, you know, how much verification has right. to go into that. So often um, it's, it's based on what the, what the homeowner actually knows. Right. You know, and we bought she, ours as is, and it was a very, very old home, but we knew coming in, there's you know, definitely yeah, the possibility I, of it. So we had to check and see. And I think there's a disclosure. Very often that, the buyer has the option of getting an inspection, yeah. but it's not always required, right. obviously. So it's and a good idea. It's extremely right. costly. It's right. yeah, definitely right. a good idea to look into. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so people know, and we talk about on here all the time, it's a good idea to drink lots of water. Um, relating to this topic, um, you know, we have questions about the water, but yet we're, we still want to be drinking plenty of healthy, clear, clean water. Absolutely. What, what are the health benefits in terms of, of 
um, remediating this oh, sort of gosh. situation. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I love the title of this book. Uh, it's um, you're not sick, you're thirsty, and it it uh, describes just how often we go around slightly volume depleted or significantly you know low on on water. Um, it it improves the brain functioning, the kidneys, your blood pressure. There's so many benefits to staying well hydrated. Um, you know, and, and I think starting kids off early, um, you know, when they're toddlers, getting them to drink water rather than juice or a flavored drink is a great step. My kids all, all are young adults now and, and we did that and now they're all, you know, pretty good about staying hydrated. Yeah. So I you don't want the message to get out that people should be afraid of the water, right? If they're using their, if they've had their water tested or they're using bottled water or filtered water, you know, please uh, uh, drink enough. And I, the way I describe it is to make your pee a light yellow. You know, everybody's an individual. Um, don't wait until you're thirsty, um, but drink enough to, you know, Keep, keep your urine slightly dilute. Well, so many of our followers are also on weight loss journeys, and it's amazing how often people feel hungry, but they're really thirsty. Yeah, 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 yeah. When um, I've counseled patients for years on, on achieving a healthy weight, and really, if you're getting adequate fiber, if you're getting 30 to 35 grams of fiber in your diet and you're drinking adequate water, that's a great start right there because you're going to feel full. Um, and you know, you're getting lots of benefits of, of that healthy diet. So when you talked about the, the bottled water filters as well. So that's something some of these households can do. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. When again, the city of Clarksburg provided its residents with Brita filters. Mm -hmm. So those kind of filters are effective in removing lead from the water. Yes. Yes. Um, they're not a hundred percent. Um, but it's, it's a major reduction in it. And so it's important not just to, you know, filter the water, but also for folks who are in that, um, you know, older housing stock mm -hmm. to, to get a complete assessment. So. Well, any other tips you want to plug your website? Um, what, what, what advice do you have? Obviously check your, your house, check your water. What else can people get be doing? kids tested? I mean, that's the, that's honestly, I think, <laughs> Um, the key message is um, we're we're doing well, I think, on monitoring the water now. The water board is ahead of this and getting the lines changed out. We're behind on getting kids tested. And that's, you know, we're behind on a lot of preventive mm -hmm. health care. But that's something, um, you know, that I would really emphasize is, is getting kids tested. Uh, West Virginia Childhood Lead Poisoning Prevention Program, um, CDC, and the West Virginia Office of Environmental Health Services um, are all great resources for information. And I can get you links to post okay. you know, yeah, on, on your yes. website and, and we can link it to the, you know, the podcast sure. and give folks a, 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 a click to learn more. Good. Great information. Thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you for being here. Thank uh, you for having me. We've been joined today by Dr. David Didden, and we certainly appreciate his time in joining us, particularly here in the studio. Thank you very much for making the trip. Um, and while. we thank all of you for joining us today on the Healthy Harrison podcast. It's our goal to change your state of mind and ultimately change the state of health here and throughout all of West Virginia. If you need more help now, you can visit the healthyharrison.org website 
or visit our Healthy Harrison Facebook page. And if you do that, give us a like. Um, you can also download the free Healthy Harrison app. Uh, on all of these platforms, you'll find lots of support and um, you can stream past episodes of our uh, podcast on the Facebook page if you enjoy today's broadcast. Uh, we would like to thank again our sponsors for making this podcast possible. Um, the generosity of West Virginia University Medicine, United Hospital Center, West Virginia University, the State Journal, WVNews.com, and Interaction Media. Uh, we, we, again, we thank you all for being here with us today uh, to discuss this important topic, and we look forward to seeing you again next week and every week with the Healthy Harrison Podcast. On behalf of Amy and I, we wish you all the best, and thanks so much.